0: Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And I am your host, Michael Sherlock. That hasn't changed, at least not yet. And all month long in April, we are talking about a subject that, uh, you know, either makes you happy, makes you frightened or somewhere in the middle. But it's about money and that money matters. And we're also talking about money matters. Hmm, different way of inflection. And my guest today is going to actually talk about a couple different things relating to money, but we're going to also start talking about something that he is really passionate about, which I cannot wait to talk about. But David Essel is a number one best-selling author. He's a counselor, a master life coach, an international speaker, and minister. And this is what I can't wait to share. His mission is to positively affect 2 million or more people every day, in every area of life, regardless of their current situation. And that, you know, always makes me excited because positivity is the basis of everything that I try to achieve as well. Even celebrity Jenny McCarthy says, David Essel is the new leader of the positive thinking movement. Oh, and man, do we need more of that today. His newest top-selling book is called Love and Relationship Secrets that everyone needs to know has been labeled the new bible of love and communication and he's also verified through psychology today as one of the top counselors and life coaches in the u.s and verified through marriage.com as one of the top relationship counselors and experts in the world. And I might fangirl on him just a little bit, but David, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: (laughs) Michael, that was so cute. Oh my God. I'm excited to be here and your energy is wonderful. And I love connecting with people with similar energy. So we're going to rock today.
0: Absolutely, I know. As I everything I you know, as I'm you know getting prepared for this, I'm like, this is going to start my entire day off so well. I can't wait. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so good.
0: Well, so I hit some of your you know highlights on your bio, but tell us a little bit more about you, your business, your mission, and how you help people to shock their potential.
1: Yeah, I love the title of your show. You know, because especially now so many of us have become very lackadaisical, we've become, you know, and because of COVID and the election and all the insanity we've been through, a lot of our motivation starts to decrease, you know, and I started 40 years ago in the world of sports psychology, working with athletes, bodybuilders, only for their heads, you know, I Mm -hmm. didn't have to do anything else, I played division one basketball for a couple years, so my main clients were basketball or tennis clients and bodybuilders, and then Michael, in 1990, I made this massive shift. Um, I actually burned out in the world of sports psychology Mm -hmm. and health and fitness and all this stuff. And I decided to go into general counseling as well. So from then till now, you know, perfect for your show, we've created a financial freedom course. We've created courses on uh, abuse recovery, grief recovery, increasing your business value. We've done, I mean, everything in the world that you can think other than sports psychology, (laughs) Um, but I still pull, I pull in an athlete every now and then, but what I really love is the diversity. Like every hour is a different topic, different client. You know, we, we do eight to 10 clients a day. We're absolutely slammed, uh, people from all over the world. And you know, the, the beauty you mentioned about the 2 million people a day, our mission statement used to be about money. Mm we used to talk about increasing helping people to increase their value helping people increase their income and helping me to increase my income right. and it worked wonderfully until it didn't yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden i found myself i was chasing money you know instead mm-hmm. of enjoying it and allowing it to come in and having faith that it's coming you know michael and and in the world of money when you have financial fear, which is what I was carrying, and I'm going to admit mm-hmm. it, you know, when when it's never enough and you need more, and you yeah, that's financial fear. I better take this client because I may not get another one. I better that's take funny. this speaking gig, even though it pays me nothing, because I might not get another one. And that's, believe it or not, where yours <laughs> truly went, because I was addicted to the growth. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to shift, and the shift became: let's not worry about the money let's work our butts off every day because you have to do that, but let's start looking at the number of people we can touch. And that's where we came up with the 2 million. So it's podcasts like yours that we do every day. We have 2000 videos on YouTube for free. You know, we, we do all of this work, immense amount of work, you know, to be able to reach 2 million people and to give them hope. And I think if there's anything that counselors and coaches and therapists can do, our number one goal is to give someone in a tough situation hope that they can move through it.
0: Uh, it's so true. And, you know, one of the, this is kind of a strange aside, but I'll, I'm going to bring it back to, you know, how, what it makes me think of when you're talking is, um, you know, I have a team, my whole team is remote. They're actually in Kenya. Um, and as I continue to grow them, you know, I, every time I bring one on, we have this conversation about we have a positive workplace. So what that means is, I, I don't, you know, put anything on social media or anywhere publicly that is negative in any way, way, shape or form. Doesn't mean that I don't have bad customer experiences or whatever, but you will never see me post it. And I expect that same thing of you. And part of that is to keep us in this positive mindset. And then as a team, if you have a problem with somebody else or something's not going right, I want you to either go to that person. Come to me to help mediate or go to somebody else to help mediate, find a solution, but make it based in positivity. And as we grow this, it it changes. You know, I we've all worked in environments that weren't healthy for us or that we stayed in to your point for fear or because we don't know what else to do. And that really eats on you. And mm-hmm. And then when situations get tough, it compounds as well. So this whole sense of you know, positively impacting people, I think sometimes we don't realize how those kind words, those thoughts, that, that door held open really creates more happiness and positivity in the world.
1: Oh my God, you know, um, I I agree with you on social media. We only post usually puppy dogs, nature, and um, daffodils uh, from time to time, you know, and then we'll do something positive, but we never put anything whatsoever that would make someone go, oh, I need to respond to this with some kind of attitude, you know, which is what social media loves, right? It's a freaking addiction. People go crazy on this crap. But you know what we get all the time, Michael, and I'm sure you do too. Like we got someone posted the other day that David Essel's wall is the only one I've ever found on Facebook that is pure positivity. Thank you so much. You know, and it's true. We never got into the political insanity. We never got into the conspiracy of COVID. We never got into any of the rabbit holes, you know why? Because it's an absolute waste of time, listen unless you're talking to someone who agrees with you politically, the internet is the worst place to freaking be, you know? Absolutely. So we have people arguing still to this day, you know, but not on your channel, not on my mm-hmm. channel, puppy dogs, daffodils, <laughs> nature, <laughs> and, you know, and, and you get noticed yeah. when you're not falling into masses consciousness and sanity and gossip and all this crap you're going to eventually get noticed that you're different. And you and I want people to recognize that there is a different path called a positive, compassionate, empathetic path. And when you get on that path, life is a hell of a lot easier, Michael. Yeah. Well, and I,
0: you know, one time I had somebody post and they're like, do you just wake up with rose colored glasses on every day? Do you just like, do you just never have anything negative happen? And my response was, of course I do but I deal with complaints or criticism in private. So in other words, if I had a bad customer experience, I don't blast that, I don't post that on Yelp. You know, I go directly to the source and say, hey, I'd like to tell you, Mr. Manager or Mrs. Manager about the experience I had, let me, let me explain. Because I wanna help them, I wanna help them be better. And, but if there's something great that's happened, I wanna shout it on the rooftops because the more we do that, the more we, we train our brains, I believe, to stay looking for positivity. And especially when you're dealing with, you know, helping people through, especially traumatic experiences or negatively charged experiences, we have to keep a whole lot more energy to, to exude positive energy for them, which comes back and feeds us too.
1: Yeah. It's interesting what you just said. I think a lot of times people get exhausted um, by being positive, but they get exhausted, Michael, because they're giving people advice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you're an advice giver, you're going to get exhausted because people will say, what should I do? But they really don't give a crap about what you think. Okay. They're not all they want. What they really want to say is they really want us to say, I really don't know. I don't have an answer for you, but tell me what you're going through. that's what they want so but what we do with our best intentions is we say, oh you need to do a b c d e and of course they go oh my god thank you and they never do it and (laughs) then they come back a week later and they go hey i don't know what to do and you go oh remember what i said last week do a b c d e they come back the next week they haven't done it and then you start getting frustrated and exhausted because you're giving the great advice in the world and no one is following it okay so what we say to people is quit giving advice be present be in their spirit, ask how you can help them and allow them to vent, but don't give them an answer. Allow them just to vent. Most of us don't want an answer. We just want a space that we feel safe enough to share things that are maybe scary to say to someone else.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, speaking of that, you know, that last statement, especially with money, which is you know our whole focus this month, and I, I've been having a lot of fun. We've had some, a really great variety of of guests on that are talking about money from a lot of different perspectives. But I would love you know that you have a financial freedom course because I think so many people, to your earlier point, are chasing. They're chasing the dollar, or they're chasing some sense of security, or something that they think is going to happen with money. When people go through your course, what what kind of you know, what prompts them to do that? What what gets them in that last stage to say, okay, I really need to achieve financial freedom and I'm, and I'm ready to start making some
1: some changes. Michael, I'm so glad you asked the question because we do our course very differently. We've taken on so many people over the last 25 years that have done other financial freedom courses and they come into ours and the very first thing they think we're going to work on is income.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> and it's the last thing we work on.
0: Yeah,
1: It's not about income. It real financial freedom is not about income. You know what the definition we use is financial freedom is emotional freedom around money, Mm. meaning that you handle it so well that when unexpected expenses come up, it is emotional, emotionally free to spend and to pay them. And I'll give you a great example. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I know we only have 10 hours to do this interview, so I'll try to <laughs> minimize some of my examples, Michael. <laughs> so a woman comes to me and she's always struggled with money. She's in her late 40s. She's never had much in savings at the most, maybe a thousand dollars. She lives paycheck to paycheck. And so we go into her belief systems about money. And of course, one of the biggest ones that comes up is fear insecurity around money, financial lack. I, you know, And so we, we repeat these stories. I've never had enough. Money is hard to keep. Money is hard to make, blah, blah, blah. Our parents have said money doesn't grow on trees. Our parents have said money is the root of all evil. Our parents, well-meaning parents, beautiful human souls that have no idea of how to talk to their kids about money, right? So we take these ridiculous thoughts forward. Rich people are greedy. People with a lot of money are stingy. And so with those beliefs, which is our course one in our financial freedom course, with our beliefs, we get right to the core of where are the blocks, you know, as a therapist, Michael, we know that you have to start at the origin of the issue. Mm -hmm. So increasing your income when you're struggling financially, or you you don't have a good balance sheet is not the origin. That's not the issue. There's other issues, psychological habit issues, you know, so we go into all of that. So to make this story a little shorter, you know, the woman went through the course and six months later, we get this email from her and she said, I've got to share this most incredible story. I went to the dentist's office today and unexpectedly, the guy said, we've got to remove this tooth right now and it's a $5,000 bill Mm -hmm. and it has to be paid on the day of service. And so she calmly reached into her checkbook, wrote a check for five grand, handed it to him. He did his surgery. She got in the car and immediately sent us an email. And the words were something like this. David, two years ago, I could have never imagined being able to pull out a wallet with my checkbook and effortlessly write a $5,000 check that doesn't bother me. I finally have reached financial freedom by changing my beliefs and my spending habits, I have a savings account now 10 times more than I've ever had. And I'm willing and ready to take on whatever expenses might come my way without financial fear. And Michael, that's what we wow. really teach. Yeah. You know, we, we we are telling people like, you'll, we'll work on your income, but income isn't the issue. You know, you, if you tripled your income today and you didn't have money management skills and mm-hmm. you didn't have correct financial beliefs, Within six months or a year, you're gonna be back to where you were. You know, Absolutely. And, and you know, year, 1989, I think it was, Gallup poll came out with the survey about people that won the millionaire, that, that okay. won the, the lottery, right? The lottery, yeah. And 40% were bankrupt in five years. Yes. 40%. You know, it, it's incredible, and why is that? And what the, the research found was it was the beliefs that they felt guilty they got the money without work, having to mm-hmm. do anything. They felt ashamed that all their friends were still working their butts off and struggling and they weren't. They felt Mm -hmm. guilty that they got this money with no, and so when we go into the beliefs about money, it's the same thing we do in our course, Michael, is we look for those origins of dysfunction that usually arise in the family system. Now, I was raised in a family where my dad was an accountant, but because, and I was a really, I was a (laughs) terrible child, okay, I swear to God. I was one of the worst children ever. So I had a brilliant father to teach me money management that I blew off. I didn't listen to a thing he said. And then when I was 33 years of age, I called my parents and this is a true story. And I said, guys, I got to just level with you. 99% of what you tried to teach me was accurate. And I was a dick and I'm really (laughs) sorry (laughs) because they taught me all this great stuff. And here I am at 33 going, I don't have a penny in the bank. What the hell's going on? because I was pushing back. But a lot of people, you know, I had the advantage that I didn't take advantage of, right? A guy that was trying to teach me how to manage money. But most people growing up don't have that. So I didn't take advantage of it. But most of us don't even have a clue. I mean, how many women as they age don't know how to balance a checkbook? Mm -hmm. Millions upon Well, I I,
0: I doubt many people balance their checkbook anymore, you know, because Nobody looks at their bank statements, you know, they're just like, Is there money in there? Yes, okay, good. Yeah.
1: I, I know. And then the other thing we say is use cash, yeah, not debit cards and not credit cards. Okay, so my partner and I are in the grocery store the other day, and we, you know, bought all this stuff for the Super Bowl and whatever is going on. And, and so I go to pay, and she goes, You're using cash again? I use cash all the time. And I looked at her and started laughing, and I go, Baby, you know, this is the only way I go. And we go out to the store, you know, and she's just blown away, right? That I carry cash. She said, and even the cash register said, "Yep, David is the only person in all of Publix that ever uses cash. You know, (laughs) I don't know if that statement's true, but you know, it's one of the things we teach because when you see the dollars going out of your hand, it has an impact on your brain. Mm -hmm. Putting a plastic card into a machine means nothing about financial freedom or financial education. But when you're taking those 20s off and it's, you know, you're, you're buying groceries and it's $180 or whatever it is, right. you're seeing all $180 go into that person's hand and it makes a difference, Michael.
0: And it means something. And I think that's something that will be really interesting to look at, you know, 10 years from now, for instance, because, you know, I, I bet you my son, who's almost 30, uh, he probably hates it every time I, you know, talk about him on my podcast, but he doesn't listen. So it's fine. Um, but... <laughs> know if he ever has cash at all. I don't, you know, I don't think, you know, uh, that he even thinks about it because, you know, what do you do with it? You, the, your only way you pay is with this card. And I think there's a real detriment that will happen to that. Now, maybe there'll be a new kind of mindset shift with this, but it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of the next generation, especially millennials do in terms of money management over the term because it, because it is different.
1: You know, it's very different, and, and I am quite prehistoric, and I, I tell that to everyone, you know, but my prehistoric ways really work, and, you know, sometimes it's like, why break something that's working? Like, why change? You know, just because society's changing doesn't mean that we have to. As long as there's dollars circulating, we can still live this way. The other, the, 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 you know, so we start off with beliefs, Michael, in our course. We start off with what are your beliefs, and what are the limiting beliefs that are holding you back? And then the second phase, and this is my favorite part of the course, and people always look at me like I'm nuts, is expenses. If you have a record of every expense, and we teach in our course, Michael, that we have these columns that we have people do, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the time of day, the amount spent, the product purchased, and, and then the last column is, was it a want or a need? Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to tell a really quick story. A couple comes to me a couple of years ago, 45 years of age, three children have never owned their own home. Mm -hmm. And for years, they've been talking about how ridiculous it is to keep paying rent when they should be putting money into a mortgage. So they came to me and said, we need to take this course to buy a house. We have no idea how to do it. Would you be able to help us? So the very first thing I did was look at their combined income. And it was more than adequate to buy a house. Oh, my God. You know, they, they were doing quite well. So then we go through the 30 days recollection of expenses. And this is where it blew their mind. Every month they were spending more than $2,000 on groceries, but they were throwing out about $500 a month because they were cramming the refrigerator full of all this fresh stuff, never using it, right? So they have $2,000 of expenses per month. And if you look at for a family of four or a family of five on the internet, it'll say that on average, they should be looking at about $200 a week in grocery mm-hmm. bills to be able to, you know, if they're good shoppers, two hundred dollars right. a week should be able to feed a family of four, but they were spending five hundred dollars a week or more, and they were throwing out hundreds of dollars a month. Then we go into their their lunches and dinners, and it was another two to three thousand a month that they were spending. You know, they'd stop at like fresh foods and they'd buy a fifteen dollars smoothie, not think right. anything of it. An hour and a half later, go to Starbucks. An hour and a half later, go to somewhere else. So, I mean, thousands of dollars a month on these little incidental meals, right? So, at the end of the story, anyway, I'll bring it right to the end. We take them through the 10-week course. They keep working with me because they're starting to see some massive changes. In nine months, because of our reduction of their expenses, they were able to save $30,000 and buy their first home in less than a year, Michael. Wow. and. And it's so powerful to me because really to me, the whole concept of financial freedom is about our expenses. Yeah. If we can monitor and reduce our expenses, our the value of our income increases dramatically. So yeah. it's not always about getting more money. It's about cutting, slicing, getting into the bare necessities that you need. You know, yeah. like the tiny house movement is perfect. You know, I love that because we're minimalizing, you know, and most of the country about 80 percent of the united states is stressed financially about Mm -hmm. 80 percent of the financial of the united states does not have the money to make it six months without their income you know only a very small percentage of money people have that kind of money and with our course every person that comes out comes out so far ahead of the game because they realize while we will work on increasing income if you don't change your core beliefs and change your expense pattern the income will never bring that financial freedom you desire, Michael.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, David, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Imagine starting a long journey without a map or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion, but without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families. Find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey. Wayne Titus shows you how in his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Wellbeing. With the right advisor at your side, you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you. Get The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Wellbeing at amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we are back with David. And I, I cannot agree with you anymore I mean everything you're talking about it, it makes me not only I think about my son a lot because of where he is in his life with two little kids and and uh, you know an incredible woman in his life but it also makes me think back to point, points in my life you know where, I thought, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm always stressed. I was always stressed about money. I just need to make more money. When I make more money, then, and, you know, whatever then come after the word then, you know, <laughs> you think that that's the end. And I was telling somebody the other day that um, I, I remember actually um, the first time the lottery, So this was, you know, lottery when the max lottery was like $40 million. Now it starts at 40 million every week, you know, so I don't buy until it's over 400 million. Um, (laughs) But I remember thinking, you know, I was about ready to buy this lottery ticket. And I remember thinking I was going through a divorce, you know, it was one one of those crazy times and part of your head is like $40 million that will solve everything. And I was literally in the parking lot of the grocery store to go in and buy the lottery ticket. And I had this suspicion that I was going to win it. And I knew that I was in the middle of a bad divorce. I knew we had all this stuff going on. And all I could think of is if I win this ticket, it is only going to bring me misery. I need to wait until at least the divorce is done.
1: You didn't want to share 20 million with an ex-husband, did you?
0: (laughs) All I can think of is this is going to cost me for the rest of my (laughs) life.
1: That is a great story. Uh, Okay. Did you ever have that feeling again and win it?
0: I've had, I've had other feelings that I was going to win. I didn't, but uh, I haven't won it yet. I literally only buy them after they go over 400 million because I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, you know, that's chump change. Right. (laughs) Um, And I think it's because actually, because at 400 million, something in my brain says, what else could you do with that money? Not, do I need that money? Because now I'm like, what could you do? You know, this last time when uh, the lottery got up like over a billion, I had this this thought, you know, wouldn't it be amazing to be able to to offer people the opportunity to, to uh, you know, lease to buy, you know, rent to buy their homes? You know, what yes. if you had people that, you know, really haven't been able to put money aside or, you know, now, you know, and what if you could give them the opportunity to have ownership, but without that burden of a long-term, you know, thing. So now that's where I think. So now I'm like, I really need to win because I could really (laughs) do some amazing things in the world, but (laughs) it took a long, it took a long time to move out of that mental thing of, I need that money. I need more, or I need, if I only won that, it would change my life. And you're so right. I mean, it's taken me a lot of work to change my relationship with money over the last 10 years especially the last 15 years definitely and I'm glad I've done it but it it was hard and it was painful to kind of come to grips with you know those fears or those those long held beliefs it's not easy when you see them laid out in front of you to say okay I recognize that now I need to make some changes
1: yeah, and Michael, one of the hardest things is what we call mass consciousness, which is a form of peer pressure, right? Yeah, so mass uh-huh. consciousness means they advertising on TV, advertising on the internet. You know, you'll be really happy when you have this new car, this new five thousand dollar purse, this new whatever it is, right? So mass consciousness and peer pressure get in the way, and then we start to say, well, no, if Kathy has that $5,000 purse, I deserve it too, or if Jim just went out and bought a new Lexus, I deserve that too, or whatever it might be, you know, I mean, I, we have clients that will go out and purchase expensive watches for a meeting to try to impress people in the meeting, yes. you know, it, it's that kind of insanity, they, they can't afford the watch. $25,000 watch. They're going for a job that might pay $80,000, $100,000. They're trying to be impressive, you know, and yeah. that is such a wasteful amount of money. And if we can just reduce that spending and really minimize, and I—and when I say this, of course, people get scared, right? Like they think, no, but I i, I need to, to go on va-. Here's a vacation tip. of Americans go on vacation, spend $5,000 that they cannot afford, that they put on credit cards. 80% will go on a $5,000 vacation and pay it off. Well, they never pay it off, quite frankly, because that next year, they're going to go again and another 5,000. So let's say over the course of a year, they pay down two or 3,000. Well, now they have seven grand in debt because they did it again the next year. And then the next year, it's going to be nine grand in debt, you know? And then all of a sudden they go, how do I get $20,000 in debt on my credit card? Pretty easy doing things you shouldn't do. <laughs> you know, I mean, And that's just that's not, with
0: the vacations.
1: <laughs> that's right. Exactly. You know, so, but here, you know, the great thing, like the two clients I talked about, Michael, if anyone wants to change their financial situation, anyone can, you know, it, it, there is nothing, there isn't a genetic block to learning how to handle money. You know, there's psychological blocks, there's subconscious blocks, leaf blocks that says, oh, no, I don't want to get uncomfortable and not go out to dinner. Gosh, another quick story. There was a guy, a young guy, never bought a house, went out to dinner four to five days a week. And he comes in and he says, hey, I want to buy a house, but I can't buy it on this budget. We look at his expenses and I go, oh my God, are you kidding me? If you quit going out to dinner, you now now this is a long range goal. okay? But we figured out that if he quit going out to dinner, the, the quickest would be two years, the longest would be three years. He would have money to buy a house. Yeah. He decided to do it. Two and a half years later, he had his first house. See, this is the type of stuff, you know. We go, you're limiting yourself with your expenses, your beliefs that you deserve this vacation. You deserve yep. these drinks, this dinner, this whatever it is. And we go, but wait a minute, a huge goal is going to demand huge effort. Well, buying a house is one of the biggest goals, one of the hugest goals you'll ever do financially. So it's going to take effort. Unless you have a silver spoon, it's going to take effort. But the great news is with the correct plan and the correct effort, yes, you can too be one of the people that we talk about. You can shift your beliefs, shift your spending, increase your income in other ways as well, and get the life you want. But in the beginning, it'll always start by paring down.
0: Yeah. And it, I mean, it's really, when you think about it, um, you know, I long ago went my first like big corporate job or not corporate, but you know, in the business world was I worked for a nonprofit called uh, consumer credit counseling service. So basically we provided an alternative to bankruptcy for people, but I would teach these money management classes. And I'd say, this is just like a a diet that you're going to, you know, take, you, you got to get the junk food out of the house before you can, you know, you got to, you got to get the the habit of the carbs and things out of your system. Same thing with how you're spending. So as we go on this financial diet, it's going to be tough in the beginning until you get into that habit and it's going to feel uncomfortable and you're not going to like it. And you're going to feel hungry at times, and you're going to want things. You're going to have cravings. And if you can make it though, past those points, and you've rewired your brain a little bit, then it becomes more desirable to keep that going. But the beginning right. is the hardest part.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I love that financial diet because that's basically what we're putting people. And I tell people that if you have a 10% desire to change, you can change. All you need is a 10% desire, number one. And then the second thing you need to do is be willing to surrender to the program you joined. You don't pick and choose. You don't join, whether it's my financial program or someone else's. You don't come in and pick and choose. You come in and say, I'm going to surrender to this program. This guy or this woman's been teaching it for X amount of years. They have success. Who am I to judge what part of the program I should do or I shouldn't do? So let me fully surrender. And at the end of the time, we'll find out if it works or not. But you can't pick and choose. You know, people try to do that all the time with us. So can we start with income? No, we cannot. Why can't we start with income? No, we cannot. Why can't we start with income? No, we cannot. I just have the same answer because we can't. Yeah, I I'm agree. Be your father, I don't have to have an explanation. We're gonna do it because I said so. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. Oh God, David, we can talk forever. I love I everything you're saying. Now uh, we'll have all your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to find you right now and they want to look up this course or anything else you do, what's the best way for them to, f- to find you?
1: Yeah, Michael super simple, talkdavid.com is the website. So easy to remember because that's all I freaking do is talk all day. talkdavid.com. And um and there you'll see how to work with me. You'll see specialty courses where the financial freedom courses that we've got a ton of different ways to do work. All of our 11 books are up there. Um, And then, you know, we have, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of blogs that you can read for free on every topic in the world. So there's a lot of free information at talkdavid.com as well, Michael.
0: Excellent. Well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, number one, pick the biggest goal that is irritating you right now. Is it money? Then get help with money. Is it your weight? Get help with weight. Is it an addiction? But, you know, we teach something I created in 1996 called the one thing theory that states that at any given time in life, there's only one goal to go after. It's the one you've denied, delayed, procrastinated. It's the one you don't want to do. When we attack that one goal and it could be different for everyone, Michael, but finances is a huge number one goal for so many people we apply ourselves completely to that one goal. So we don't say, I'm gonna change my money and lose hundred pounds. I'm gonna change my money and find the love of my life. I'm gonna change my money and we just say, no, if this is your number one goal, stick with it until you see momentum that you're moving forward and then switch. So that's number one. Number two is if you've struggled with any area of life for over four years, you have done your best, you're not gonna be able to solve it on your own get help. Like that is a mark that we use, you know, like sometimes it takes people a while to apply the the new change for their money or whatever that is. And it could take three to four years for them to see a positive end result. But if you've been trying to do something on your own for a number of years and it's not working, that's a sign that says you just don't have what it takes to move through this hire a professional, take some of the weight off. And the very last tip is fill every morning, with anything but news, social media, weather, and politics. (laughs) Fill every morning with spiritual readings, positive readings, journaling, meditation, prayer, gratitude. Stay the hell off of media for the first hour of every day. Don't turn your phone on. Don't turn the computer on. You are not missing a damn thing, okay? Mm -hmm. But when you put your attention for the first 60 minutes into your self-love, It will roll and have this compound interest over the day and over the lifetime. You'll be amazed at how you change with this one simple alteration of your daily schedule.
0: Amen to that. I love it. I absolutely agree and I love it. David, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your enthusiasm, and your positivity. It has been so great to have you as a guest today.
1: Michael, I've had an awesome time and anytime I can help you in the future, you know I'm here for you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.